The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, BronxPinstripes.com proudly brings to you the most exciting Yankees podcast in the world! Georgia Fox. Welcome back to George's Box. I'm JJ. I'm Nick. Man, I, we're Yankee fans. That's you know? That's what <laughs> we got. That's what we got. Not a good day for it. Not a not many good days lately. Even like even Saturday and Sunday, like uh, kind of stunk. You know. It was yeah. Those wins weren't fun. I was actually listening listening to John and Susan during the Saturday game. And when they won on that on Dellen's wild pitch or whatever, I wasn't even happy. I was just relieved. You know, when you get to a point where you can't even be happy when they win, it's just relief. Like that's that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, I mean, obviously the scale of it is much smaller, but it was like, uh, like Jeter's last home game. Like I thought I'd like cry or something like that, but just like the way things happened, it was like just so much like shock, and it's like, oh well, it's over. You know, this like emotional buildup. And then, yeah, I mean, like, these come-from-behind wins are, like, yeah, it's cool, but it's not like, oh, we got down out of nowhere. Like, when you're down big in a game and you come back and win, it's not quite as big when you got swept the day before and you've just lost Ex- a billion exactly. games in a row. Friday, and Friday specifically, took any momentum we were going to get out of that weekend. I mean, to lose both of those back-to-back and blow late leads, it was very Mets-like, ironically, because we were playing them. 
And it, it's just tough. It was a tough weekend, and it was a tough trade deadline. Another brutal deadline last year was brutal. We didn't get anybody. But last year, there weren't really many difference-making aces out there. This year, there was. And his name was Mike Clevenger. Andy Martino reported that what it would have taken was two of the three following, Garcia, Schmidt, and Frazier. I would give all three of those for Clevenger in a second. I would give two of those for Clevenger in half a second. In my opinion, Garcia and Schmidt, you know, if everything breaks perfectly, they'll be solid number three starters. Uh, Clint is a bat first corner outfielder. Those are, are kind of a dime a dozen. And you have a chance to go out and get a top 10 pitcher to slot right behind Cole in the playoffs. To me, that is an absolute no-brainer. I have no idea why Cass didn't pull the trigger there. I think... And so, so here's the thing. There are going to be people, when you say what you just said, and when I say what I'm about to say, which is in agreement with you, that people are like, oh, my God, how can you – what, are you crazy? How can you – Garcia's the next Pedro Martinez because someone tweeted it one time, and then Pedro <laughs> tweeted at him after the game, and he's had one start. Like, that's what you're going to get um, because people are stupid. But – yeah, I'd give – I mean, listen, Schmidt, you know, has looked good in a little bit. We've, you know, we've seen of him, you know, at, you know, where, you know, you're getting minor league highlights and stuff. Garcia, a lot of hype, came up, delivered. It was big. It was good. Can we stop that baby banging? <laughs> She's trying to be a judge, so we're working on that. Um, and you just – yeah, like if you get Clevenger and now you've really solidified, not just for this year, but for the next couple of years, you've solidified the front end of your rotation. And with the idea of now you've got Sevy coming back as your number three, like, I mean, that's a great one, two, three. And all you've given up, you've given up some possibility. And if Schmidt or Garcia go out and win, you know, Three Cy Youngs, I'll be shocked. Stunned, what have we developed on the pitching side in the last 30 years other than a good season and a half from Seve? Nothing. And spare me the Jordan Montgomery-Andy Pettit comparisons because that is absolutely blasphemous and everybody does it because it's lazy. But, like, these guys are number three starters if everything breaks right. And if it breaks wrong, they're number five guys or bullpen guys. And you have a chance to get somebody that's a consensus top ten pitcher that's 29 years old and you get him for three pennant races. It blows my mind. Like, why would you not do that? And then one, two, three, Cole, Clev, and Seve? I mean, I'm salivating thinking about that. Cole, Clev, Seve, Tanaka on a hopefully, like, friendly deal, and Montgomery is your rotation next year. Or And you know what? Honestly, like, Montgomery could take, some, could like take a jump, and now all of a sudden you've got Tanaka as your five-starter. Like, that's a fucking rotation. I would have had a hard time dealing Clint right now just because like our offense is anemic right now and he's provided like a good amount of pop so like i think like trading him right now with like and we'll talk about judge eventually but like knowing judge is kind of far out from coming back and stuff it would have been almost like an offensive white waving of the white flag for the season I understand you're taking a hit offensively, and, and that's a good point for the here and now. But when you talk about having essentially two aces with Cole and Clevenger for the next three years, like I'm willing to take the hit in the outfield to pretty much almost have a guaranteed win 40% of the time. But I, I'm saying, 
if I had to pick the two or the three, I'm with you. I would. You're I would go, okay. I would have gone Garcia and Schmidt. You're I'm not saying Clint's off the table. You know, if they came and they were like, we're only doing it for Clint and Schmidt, yeah, or Clint and Garcia, yeah. But if it's got to be two of those three, I probably pull the trigger there. I'm not super upset in general that like they didn't make a ton of moves. It was tough watching. I felt like every time I refreshed my Twitter feed, the Padres got better. Dude, they they were insane. They went full nuts on the table, man. I think they made like seven trades. Yeah, it was. So, I saw something was like five trades in like three hours. And people were kind of gushing over how many players they gave up for Clevenger, but what nobody realized is they hung on to their top seven prospects. Like, they, they gave away a bunch of lower-level lottery tickets, and it was a quantity over quality thing. Like, you got to think we could have could have worked something out in some way. And, and to your point about Frazier, we've been much better at developing bats than developing arms. Like, I don't trust our pitching prospects because we haven't developed any good ones. Like, yeah. it's pretty simple. Yeah, I mean, Seve was, you know, the big – the big one that we we're developing. And I mean, he's been mediocre at best. Yes, there have been some flashes of greatness, but there's been times when he's had to go to the bullpen. He can't pitch in the playoffs. Um, I mean, Montgomery just hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't done enough to be like, this is a success story. Right. This is Andy Pettit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we end up in the free agent market uh, and, and we will again now because it just comes down to the fact that like we're going to need arms. Like, we need arms right now. We're going to need arms in the future. And, yeah, there's I, – I, I feel like as our fan base, we are – and this is the issue. I'm really – I'm showing my age because with some of the judge stuff, when I talked about trading judge, you know, there are people who are like, I would – I'd be devastated. I saw – Someone else tweeted, can you believe there are people who want to trade Aaron Judge? And I saw – and someone, you know, replied just tagging me. So I looked at other replies, and there was someone who had, like, a, fr- a framed, like, Judge jersey, not even autographed, with, like, two pictures of him, and said, like, I would weep if we traded him. And I clicked <laughs> on that guy's profile, and I was like, oh, this is probably a kid. And it said, like, Seton Hall alum. So I'm like, you're a full grown-ass man talking about you're going to cry about a guy who's never won a World Series. And I – I feel like for our fan base now, I'm 35, but a lot of people in their 20s who maybe, you know, hardly remember 2009 or, you know, definitely don't remember the the last dynasty, they're just happy having the best farm system and a lot of hope. And getting close. Yes, exactly. Being 90% of the way there and knowing you'll be in the ALCS or whatever. And it was the same thing as last year. We were an arm short and we all knew we were an arm short and we went into the playoffs an arm short and we had to start a reliever in game six. We had already thrown 60 something pitches in that series. So they had seen him. And you don't have Canley, man. And we didn't do anything to to replace him. No one's really talking about that. I just think there were opportunities to improve. And last year, I kind of gave Cash a pass because people were asking for, you know, just Jason Dominguez for Marcus Stroman and these B-level pitchers. And I didn't think there was really a difference-making pitcher out there. But this year, there was. And to me, the price, like, Devian and Clark Schmidt, that doesn't seem that high of a price. Two two okay pitching prospects that are mid-rotation Guys, I just I'm sorry, what am I missing? Two guys sitting in Scranton. Like we'd rather right. have we'd rather win like an international league championship. Or whatever the yeah. hell league they play in. But No, you're right. You're right. There are people that would rather have a great farm system and lose in the ALCS than sell the farm and win the World Series. You're absolutely right. I'd rather have the best twenty five guys than the best fifty guys. 
Oh my God! Absolutely. <laughs> That's what. Like I'm tired of our depth. I'm tired of hearing about our depth. I'd rather because you know what? Yeah, if it all falls apart, you get all the injuries. I mean, it's not like our depth that we talk that everyone talks about bragging about is what carried us last year. Like Gio Urshela is not depth. Mike Talkman wasn't depth. Like those are just like scrap heap guys that worked out. The depth is getting guys like Schmidt, Garcia, King, um, you know, Florial, like bringing those guys through is is depth. But you can, they can't all be all-stars for the Yankees. One, they're not all going to be all-stars. And two, there's just not enough, you know, there's not enough positions. Like the basketball thing when they get the super teams, like there's only one ball. How are they going to make it happen? Like there are only nine spots on the field. You're right, and all those guys that you mentioned, I bet none of them will be on the postseason roster, if, if we're being honest. Like, like if these guys aren't going to help us this year, if you, like you said, if they're going to be in Scranton, man, you got to cash. At some point, you have to cash these chips in, and Duhar's just sitting there. Like, what are, what are we doing here? We have all this, all these guys, and people talk about the depth. It's not like we're winning games with this depth right now. Everybody's hurt, and we're getting our asses kicked pretty much every day. Yeah. And you know what what the story is going to be in spring training too. They're going to heading into spring training. We're going to hear either Boone or Cashman go. Yeah, we really liked what we saw them last year, but you know only had so many innings above Double A. So we really want to you know see what it looks like having him you know you know go every fifth day consistently in Scranton. Really work on some things. <laughs> You can already see it. You can already hear him saying, oh, well, you know, without COVID now, we got a full year to prepare. It's our second year of the new training staff. We've really figured some things out. Aaron Judge or Stan have lost more weight, like whatever bullshit they're going to spin. But these are just injury prone, injury prone guys. And I don't think it's going to really change that much. I mean, these are guys that get hurt and stay hurt. And like I said, you got a chance to cash in and, and get an ace. You do it. And, and this wasn't a rental. OK, this was three playoff runs with Mike Clevenger, who's 29 years old. And I know we got burned on Sonny Gray, and we got burned a little bit on Paxton, but you got to keep trying. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know how, you know, Paxton was was good for us, you know, heading into the playoffs, helped, like, get us there. So I'm not going to say, like, you know, oh, that that was a terrible trade. Like, we took a, a shot. We got something out of it. It hasn't worked out. Who knows? Maybe he comes back and he's Superman, but, like, you got to still, you got to take another shot. Like, you know, a girl breaks your heart. You don't just go, I'm going to sit at home. You got to give it <laughs> another try. Keep going out to the bars. And whether you're an analytics guy or a traditional stats guy, Clevenger is pretty much top 10 in everything since 2017. FIP, XFIP, ERA, adjusted ERA, whatever your stat is, strikeouts, strikeouts per nine, he, he's up there. So it really tough for me to pass on him. And last, it's different than last year in that I still think we can win the World Series. Last year when we didn't get a, another pitcher and we didn't have a guy like Cole, it was, it was hard for me to convince myself that we were better than Houston. This year, I still think when we're healthy, we're the best team in the AL, but they're not playing like it, man, and it's scary. And, I mean, when we're healthy, is like, it does that even happen again? Right, when is that? <laughs> and this mindset that, oh, we'll just wait for everybody, you know, everybody will be healthy in October and it'll be fine, like, that didn't work last year. Judge was banged up. Stanton had to leave ALCS game one. Hasn't Hicks worked since 2009. That's the only right. time it's worked. It worked in 2009, it worked in 2000, it worked in 1999, 98, 96. Those are the only years anything's worked. Every other year, something hasn't worked. Like, that's, 
And I just feel like as a fan base, we're getting so far away from that. I even had a guy say this week about Trainjudge, I, I quote tweeted and said it's the worst thing that I've seen published on the Twitter platform. I'd rather see Judge and Pinstripes for his whole career than win a championship. What the fuck are we even talking about anymore? That was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Like, it, it was insulting to see. It was insulting. Because I, we stink as a fan base. No, we do, and there's definitely that – there is that gap, like, where me – and I'm only – I'm not as old as you, but, like, I'm 28. I don't remember the dynasty that well, but I remember, like, 2000, 2001, like, that that group, and obviously 09. And, like, the way that me, you, or Rich will talk about things uh, compared to the way some of these 17- or 18-year-olds will, will talk about things is just completely different. Like, and I keep hearing this, well, next year we'll have Seve and it'll be a full season. Like, people are already giving up on this year. You can't have a dynasty until you win one fucking ring. This group hasn't even gotten to the dance, and we're just assuming we're going to have this long window and we're going to have all these championships. Like, open your eyes. We, we haven't even come that close. And guess what? Like, the Dodgers are good now. The Dodgers will be good next year. The Padres are good now. The Padres are now going to just get better. Like, there are, everyone's just worried about the Red Sox. They just That's the thing. Everyone just gets blinded by the Red Sox. Or now I see people go, even in our Bronx Pinstripes chat, I saw someone go, well, we've got a better record than the Astros. Who gives a fuck? Like, I'm over the trash can thing. I'm over. They're not taking any awards away. They're not taking away a championship. Who gives a shit? They're not in our division, but everyone just thinks Red Sox. And that's why we're getting fisted by the Rays. That's why the NL West is just getting better. The AL Central is creeping up there by, you know, getting better. You've got Chicago playing well. The Twins are always, you know, someone to battle with. The the A's all have COVID, are hardly playing games. They're in first place, and they're always there. And, you know, we're just getting fisted on a weekly basis by the goddamn Rays. And everyone's just like, oh, but yeah, wait for October. That's when Judge is going to shine if he's there. Yeah, and it's a, it's a top-down thing. It's Cashman thinking long-term. It's Boone giving everybody rest days. It's these players not wanting to play banged up it, fr- from the owner all the way down to, to, you know, to the guys that work at the stadium almost. It seems like there's this lack of urgency and there's this thought, oh, we'll be around. This is a really long championship window. People were saying that in, in 2017. Oh, we'll be back. In 2018, we'll be back. And we have not gotten to a World Series. It's extremely frustrating. And you said the Rays are fisting us. I mean, they are embarrassing us. They are bullying us and kicking the shit out of us. We haven't even been close in a lot of these games. It's not like, oh, we're, we were a single or two away. Like, they're blowing us out. Game's over in the second inning. <laughs> it's terrible. And talking long-term, the, guess who has the number one farm system in the majors? It's the fucking Rays. Yeah. So they're not going anywhere. Well, because the Rays are like a prison team. Like, San Quentin has, like, a baseball program. They're trapped in fucking Tampa, every one of those guys, and they're just trying to get out. That's all. They're just trying to Shawshank their way out of there by hitting doubles or taking fucking cold deep. And, you know, we, we always say you get, as the Yankees, you get everyone's best punch. And these guys are, are ramped up to give their best punch, but that's, it's kind of shifting from that and the idea of, like, oh, they're a hot team to a certain point. You're just a good baseball team, and that's yeah, what they exactly. look like. And people make excuses like, oh, the Rays get a bunch of blue pits. They got a lucky bounce here. That's because they put the ball in play every single at-bat, and they never strike out. And when every batter puts the ball in play, you're going to get more hits. It's not rocket science. You have a better shot at getting a hit by putting the ball in play than watching <laughs> it go straight down the dick and walking back to the dugout. That's, yeah, that's your George's box analytics. Yeah. 
I mean, that's science right there. That's some advanced analytics for you. Brutal. And when you look around at, at the players on the team, everybody except for DJ LeMahieu and Luke Voigt has either underperformed or just hasn't played. Like Judge and Stanton were good when they played, but they're out. And everybody else, Glaber underperformed, you, you know, terrible. Gary, awful. Hicks, awful. Gardner, awful. This is what it is. You know what I miss about being a Yankee fan? Just kind of knowing what you're going to get. Even when you have a guy who's, like, mediocre, you at least know you're going to get that. But it's such a revolving door. Like, I don't really know what I'm going to get at fucking Jody Mercer. I don't know what the hell I'm getting, you know, from Estrada. Like, yeah, oh, great, he was the best guy at summer camp. But I'm talking about being the New York Yankees and having Major League Baseball players on that team. You know, like, it's just, it's so hit or miss. And, like, Hicks all hit a big double and then just, like, watch a pitch down the middle with the bases loaded the next at-bat. No, he's been awful, and we have way too many guys with batting average starting with a one. Gary, Hicks, I mean, there have been other guys. Gardy, I think, is hitting, like, 180. Like, guys, you can't even fucking hit, like, 220. Like, we're in the ones, like you said, we're the New York Yankees. And you look at the bottom of some of these lineups where it's like, I don't know, Kratz, Wade, Estrada, 7, 8, 9. You're like, we got no shot. Who the fuck are these guys? I, um... I guess it's one good thing about not being able to go to games is not being able to see the Jumbotron where they have the lineup with the batting averages and just being like, <laughs> we don't have a single guy batting 300. Oh, not even close. I don't, I don't know if we even have any. Well, I mean, DJ. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, there's been other in some of, you know, the lean years of, like, 2015, 2016. You'd go and you'd be uh, like, oh, yeah. we have nobody doing anything here. And then we'd be playing some bullshit team. Oh, the Royals are in town. And it's just like, oh, great. They got two guys hitting 330. Yeah, pre, post-Cano, pre-Judge like Judge and Sanchez, that, that whole, yeah, 14, 15, 16. I mean, Judge isn't hitting fucking 300. No, no, you're right. He's, he, hasn't, he hasn't played, and I know you've had, you know, you, you were having some fun with that, but now it's almost like it's become a reality. Like, I don't know if that started out as a joke for you, but now it's like, holy shit, like, this is serious. Like, no. the guy's going to come back September 25th. I was very serious when I said that. You know, and I laid out very good reasons why we have to look at moving on from Aaron Judge. And at that point, it was, I think we should just explore the option, right? Like, it's just something you kind of, you know, you got to look at. Who knows what crazy trades? Like, just don't be afraid to have it. I'm not saying Cashman's got to start burning up the phone and saying, like, Judge is available, Judge is available, Judge is available. Uh, but now, I mean, he can't even do that because it's like, I don't know, we got to fucking bag of balls for you nothing like no, almost nothing. no trade value no value right now i mean he will if he comes back and has a solid postseason he'll have some value in the offseason but i'll go back to just this roster construction and building your roster around two six foot six bodybuilders that can't stay on the field it really worries me, and we've talked about their ages. Judge is 28, Stan's 30. I know your whole thing has mainly been Judge, but we can just lump these guys together as two MVP caliber talents that don't play. Well, the only reason I don't uh, lump Stanton in is just there's nothing you, we can do. Like, he has a no-trade clause. There's, you know, unless we were to trade him to, like, the Dodgers. But, like, nobody is – like, he's not going to waive that. He's not going anywhere at all. Um like, obviously, yeah, if there was, like, an amnesty or, like, you know, we could just get out of one deal, that's probably the one you look to get out of. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the judge, the trade judge wagon is 
filling up. And if we get to like September 20th, now keep in mind, on September 1st, we're talking about September 25th. If we get to like September 20th, September 22nd, and he's not down in Scranton, like getting good workouts in, doing something close to the equivalent of, you know, getting those two at-bats in a double-A game. Because we're skipping the whole, with the format of this season and there being no, you know, real minor leagues, not that there would be in September anyway, we're, you know, we're skipping the three games in Scranton that he would get. And we're just going from the like, oh, let's just make sure he doesn't fall apart in Trenton for 20 minutes. Like, that's what we need to be seeing at this alternate site. And, I mean, when you start talking about September 25th, that's two days before the season ends. We're really playing with fire. You're absolutely playing with fire. And the people, like, these idiots on Twitter that are like, as long as he's back in the playoffs, it's fine. Like, guys need reps, man. And they've already been robbed of a ton of reps earlier in the summer. We did, you know, the whole thing's been fucked up. You're expecting the guy to come back September 24th and just start hitting bombs. Like, that's not how baseball works it's not how it works it's a game of repetition and you need to play and him and him and Stanton just don't get the reps and I will give Judge credit like he tried to come back he came back I know it didn't work it blew up in his face and it ended up costing him more but he was burning to be out there he went out there he tried it didn't work but at least he showed some fire and like I said with a lot of these guys it's like all right you know Stan was supposed to be three to four weeks it's been three and a half weeks you know where you at buddy yeah I mean we heard – wasn't he supposed to be back like this week? So I actually was listening to the fan for a little bit before we came on here just because Cashman was on there, and he said Stanton was probably about 10 days out from today. So I guess, you know, next weekend – I think we play the Orioles the weekend of the 12th. He'd be back for that series. He said Glaber hopefully by this weekend uh, when they're in Camden Yards. So, you know, ho- hopefully you see them. Britain is activated tonight. And Higgy Ashioka, if, if you care about that, I, I kind of like Kratz better as a backup. Yeah, I mean, I think every statistical thing, like every measurable is Higgy, you know, and everything when you're playing for the future. But, like, for right now, because there was talk that, well, what are they going to do? Do you just, like, let Kratz walk? But when you've got Garcia, he's going to have to make another start Friday. Kratz has... You know, he's he's been serviceable. He's out there, you know, he's he's mixing it up. He's, you know, putting the bat on the ball a little bit, giving himself an opportunity, but he also has, like, a bond with Garcia where, yeah, you, do you give a 21-year-old and it's, you know, his second start, do you say this guy's his personal catcher? Not out loud, but kind of. Dude, in 60 games, whatever's going whatever's gonna to help the guy. And Kratz isn't obviously a masher, but if you watch his at-bats, he rarely swings at balls outside the zone. He's usually at 3-2. Like, at least he's getting the guy to throw pitches. My memories of Higgy hitting are, you know, he takes a pitch down the middle and then pops up the second pitch. Like, I, I've honestly never seen the guy work any kind of count or do any kind of damage to the plate. So I'm like, if I had to pick between both of them, I'm taking Kratzy. Well, yeah, I mean, I think as you start to think about, like, next year, it's like, you know, you're going to bring back, what's he going to be, 48 next year? You know, you can't, you know, you can't build a future around Eric Kratz at this point. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, Gary hit that grand slam, but, I mean, he's still a disaster. He's been awful. He has been awful. And you know I'm the biggest Gary defender. I'll, I'll wear it. He has completely sucked. He has the six homers. But you, you can't be, like I said, you can't have a batting average starting with a one. You no, can't, was he hitting 140? Or? And there was like, even with that grand slam, 
there was a, an attitude about the way he left the box that he just he doesn't deserve. You do not deserve it with what you've done so far offensively and defensively. That grand slam pretty much summed him up. I mean, he's boom or bust. He is the only catcher, and I've said this till I'm blue in the face, that can hit a baseball 470 feet. He's the only guy that can do it. Like, he has an unreal gift at the plate, but those those connections, those blasts, those jackpots are so few and far between now where last year he hit 34 homers and you could live with it. You could live with the strikeouts. You could live with everything else because the guy had a homer every eight games. But now it's like, all right, you know, once every two weeks he's doing that. And it's not enough. Yeah. Sometimes I need a catcher who's just going to hit the ball 120 feet over third baseman's head. <laughs> you know, and just with a guy on second base and then we score a run. That would be nice. It, it's frustrating and it's confusing trying to figure out how the Yankees are going to score with runners in scoring position, but ordering from DoorDash is easy. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your local favorite restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off of your and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter BLUEWIRE. Don't forget that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFL Sunday TV. you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL Sunday TV is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFL Sunday TV and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Hitting with runners in scoring position, you mentioned Gary and how he can't do that. Like, like when some of these guys come up, him, Hicks, Wade, and you know, second and third, two outs, I just kind of give up. Like, it doesn't even feel like we have a chance to drive those runners in. Yeah, I mean, it was a big criticism of us early in the 2019 season that all we were doing was scoring on home runs. And to a certain extent, like, that's a lot of what everyone's, like, waiting on. We're just like, I don't know, sometimes just, like, with a guy on second, I'll just take a single. You know, like, let me just a seeing-eye single that scores a run. We need more. That's a more likely, you know, scenario that's going to win you games. Let's try to do some of that. Nobody can do it. They're all swinging for the fences. And I, I guess Gio and DJ are the only guys that when they come up with – second and third, you know, less than two outs or whatever. I'm like, all right, these guys can can bring the run home, maybe hit a sack fly. Like, they know how to play situational baseball, but everyone else is swinging for the fences. And then guys like Wade, they simply just can't hit no matter what their approach is. No, it just, <laughs> like, I mean, that's that's a shortstop for the New York Yankees. That's your starting shortstop. Yeah, it's, Painful. yeah, I mean, he's up there and it's just like, there are times, I mean, he hit a home run this weekend, but. I was shocked. You know, you hit a home run in the right field at Yankee Stadium. Congratulations, loser. Like, who gives a <laughs> shit? Um, there are times when he swings, and just, like, part of it is just it's his swing, it's his motion, where 
as he swings, it looks like he's back on his heels, and I worry that the ball is actually going to knock the bat and him backwards. Because <laughs> there's just like, there's no oomph to it. He's a dainty fella. He is, and he thinks, I think because he, the rest of the team is a bunch of strong guys that hit homers. Like, he thinks he's, he's like a little dog that thinks he's like a big dog kind of thing. I don't know. And he's swinging for the fences. It's like, dude, you, like, he wants to hit that homer so that he can, you know, post it on Instagram over a Drake lyrics and like celebrate dude just just hit the ball on the ground and run like stop trying to be judge or void or stanton and when he gets on he rarely even tries to run and it's like man that's your one tool like i know half the podcasts out there they want to be friends they want to be friends with this guy but you, you got to call it like i see it the guy when he is one of your starting middle infielders you're fucked and that was another area that maybe at the deadline like there weren't any you know depth infielders out there that we could get to give it bats over this guy Tyler Wade, I don't know that Tyler Wade necessarily wants to play for the New York Yankees so much as he wants to pop champagne in the Yankees clubhouse. Yes. He, it's like he saw J.R. Murphy years ago and was just like, <laughs> that's me. They need that that spot. Like That happened. We traded him for Hicks, and Wade was like, oops, spot just opened up for me. Young guy. And it's like at a certain point, like, oh, you're not going to be the young guy anymore. You're just going to be, you know, traded to Toronto. No, you're exactly right. He just wants – he's like us. He just wants to, like, hang out with the team, party in the clubhouse, wear, wear the gear. I, yeah, you don't think he actually wants to be on the field. And it, it's it's tough seeing him in there. It, it's really hard. And, look, it's just, it's just brutal. Like, this guy should not be – you say he's the starting shortstop for the Yankees. That should not be the case. I mean, yeah, he's the 20 <laughs> – fifth man on the roster like that's what it's supposed to be and it's crazy like we've seen him since 2017 like it's been like a couple of years he's been around a while and it's easy to pick on him and 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 you know we're being a little hard on him but like the regular guys the guys we should really be mad at and we are at at are the hickses the sanchez's the gardeners like the regular players that are healthy that are supposed to be picking up the slap, carrying the load, and they're not doing shit. And you got to think, I mean, especially with Gardy, you have to think this is it, right? Yeah, I mean, that's – like, you want something better for a guy on his way out. Like, even though we lost in 2001, like, you think of, like, Paul O'Neill out there in the outfield and the, the stadium going nuts for him. And, you know, it's a tough way to go out, but, you know, went out close on top after, you know, a number of years on top. And for Gardner, it's going to be this, like – shitbag season where, you know, it's 60 games for most teams and, you know, all, you know, the playoffs in the bubbles, uh, that it's just, it's an ugly way to go out and he's not playing well. He looks older. He looks lost up there sometimes. And it's going to be tough because there, if he had gone somewhere else last after last season, he probably could have gotten a multi-year deal. And he could, you know, have more financial stability. And I'm glad that he stayed. I wonder if he'll just say, this is it. Or if he'll, you know, because, I don't know, to me, and I obviously don't have the millions of dollars he has. And, you know, he, it's not like he made a trillion dollars like some of these guys do. But I don't know. If someone just calls you and goes, hey, you want to do that thing you've been doing for a while and we got like $3 million for you? It's tough to say no. No, it is, and I don't mind having him around, but he cannot be taking at bats from Clint Frazier. No, I no. When, when everybody's healthy, because Clint Frazier 
getting these at bats. And yeah, Clint has, you know, I think he's over the course of his career shown us a good amount at the plate. Clint Frazier is part of our future and has to be part of our present because he's just dramatically better than Brett Gardner. You know, it's bad enough that, like we say, Tyler Wade is a starting shortstop for the New York Yankees, a career 195 hitter several years into his career. And he hasn't even played 162 games. That's how not good he is. Um, But, yeah, you know, you just – there's a way to look towards the future and the present at the same time. But we're just, like, holding on to this past that – it stinks. Like, maybe it's an insult to Gardner. Maybe he'll be a problem in the clubhouse about it. But you can't write his name into the lineup right now. No, and it's not like it's 2014 when Jeter was kind of hurting the team, but it was fucking Derek Jeter. This is this is Brett Gardner. He's a solid, okay major leaguer. And people are like, should he get a monument? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? Brett Gardner with, with a monument. So this isn't a guy that it's worth losing games. A one-time all-star Brett Gardner. He was solid. I like Gardy. Like, I respect his game. He's an, he's an incredible defender. He hustles. He stays healthy. But come on, man. It's 2020. I think he just turned 37. There are better options out there. Speaking of underachieving shitty outfielders, Mike Talkman. I mean, what the fuck, man? This guy, I don't think he's even hit a ball to the outfield. And just Tyler Wade in the outfield. He's just Tyler Wade on grass instead of dirt. Except he doesn't have the cool hair anymore. Because he went with, like, the American History X look in fucking COVID. It's, yeah, I mean, I've said for a long time, I said about Wade, I said about Talkman. if a big part of our season comes down to relying on Mike Talkman, we are fucked. And, like, yeah, he's played well at times. Like, there are times when Mike Talkman gets hot and plays well. Last year he had that very hot month, you know, really earned his spot, and that's great. But, like, it didn't come down to him. This is, like, we need him. Like, that was a bonus. This is a need. We're in fucking trouble. Yeah, and last year, the whole next man up thing, the people thing people don't really realize in the beginning of the season, uh, DJ, Glaber, they played every game and they were mashing. Gary was mashing first half. Like, they had guys in there that were killing it to make up for uh, Judge and Stanton being out. Now, the, those guys aren't mashing. And you're seeing that the next man up thing isn't foolproof. And I'm sick of hearing about next man up. I'm sick of hearing about depth. I'm sick of hearing about, well, now this guy gets to get an opportunity. Like, we've talked about this. We want to see the A team, and it's killing me. I mean, I'll read out the lineup that they're throwing out there tonight in a second, but it's killing me to see some of these names and scoring two runs a game. And it's fucking boring to watch. It is. Some of these games, I'm like, ah. <sighs> They don't last on the big TV. They end up going to the laptop or the phone even of just like, I can't give this my full. And I feel bad for Paul O'Neill because I want to listen to what he's up to in the basement. You know, like, yeah. But it's just like some of these games, it's just like you guys have no fight. Because even like even walking off this weekend, it just, and I don't know, maybe it's like the COVID thing or no fans. And no, but it just it wasn't that exciting to me. It wasn't. Yeah, the Mets series, if anything, it was just, you know, like I said, Saturday was just so ugly. They Adovino lets up the homer. They, they got so lucky that Dellen bailed them out, which was so on brand for Batanza. So we, we could tease him a little. But then and then Sunday, you know, the the, the first game, they, they you know, they squeaked it out. But the 99% of that game was not fun. It was no. a fun last five minutes. Yeah. Can we talk about you jumping up and down like a little girl on uh, 
your yes, fiance's that, that Twitter. was fun, man. I, I was just relieved. I was, that was just relieved. And and Jamie likes to do that. Like she'll try and catch me. Like it's like I have you know I got to be careful when I'm watching games now because I feel like she's always trying. Oh, to get me. I, I mean it was great. It was I loved it because you were like jumping and I couldn't tell. If you were going at her to be like, because you start going in her direction, I could tell if it was like, a, no, don't film me, or just like, I need to hug someone. Like, I don't know what it was. And as I said, it looked like one of those things where they like call a kid down in the principal's office and his dad's back from Iraq. <laughs> and it's just like, dad, dad, I can't believe you're here. So they take off the mascot head at like, you know, so they send him. <laughs> You're at, like, a New Orleans Pelicans game, and then the Pelicans' dad. Welcome home. Yeah. That's what it looked like. And, you know, Jamie, she's she's on the couch for pretty much every game. Some games, she's kind of on her phone not paying attention. But, like, this game, she was actively watching it, so she she got into it, and then they came back, and she was, like, cheering. So she was way more into it. But, yeah, I mean, we hadn't had, a like, a sick walk-off win like that in a while. Like like that that two-out, two-strike game-tying homer yeah. that Hicks had. I can't remember the last time we've had something that dramatic. I, you know, obviously last year, but we hadn't had that big moment yet this year, really. No, and, I mean, I think they've done a, a pretty good job with broadcasts. The, uh, the fake fans thing that Fox does, I don't like. It's just like, because it's not seamless. Either have it all the time, but, like, They'll switch camera, like one camera will be like, oh, here's all these fans. They switch camera and there's nothing. But like they've done a good job with the sounds. Vanity Fair had an article this week. I shared it in the, uh, in our like group chat where it was like talking to the reporters and people in and around the stadium about like how weird it is. And uh, even reporters like they can have, a, they, one can ask another one a question and like guys on the field can hear them because it's just so quiet in the stadium. I think they've gotten, done a good job of pumping in sound. But, yeah, for, like, for the walk-offs, it's just, I don't know, it's just not quite the same without like people just going nuts. No, there's definitely something missing. And, and it's kind of impossible to quantify the effect right, that it has on the players. But what I'll, I'll ask you this. Let's say same season, same injuries, same schedule. If there were fans in the stands, do you think the Yankees would have the same record? Or do you think they'd be doing a little bit better if we had our fan base? Because I think this hurts us more than it hurts teams like the Tigers that you know don't have any fans, regardless. So yeah, I mean, because you know, especially if it was a sixty-game schedule and there were fans, the fans there, yes, it would be. I think it would be more crowded. Like every game would have a, a bit more people there than like a football game. Like almost. the Tuesday night games would be full, just because you know people are going. Especially if it was. Like, let's say for some reason, just like when the season started, like COVID wasn't a thing people had to worry about anymore. So it went from being like cramped up in the house to like, oh, I can go to these. I think it would be nuts. It'd be a nuts atmosphere. Um, yeah. I mean, even Judge talked about it earlier this week, or late last week. My days are all over the place. But um, where they asked him about the bubble, because it sounds like they're going to do the bubble the NL being in Houston and Arlington, and the AL being in San Diego and LA, which is going to be weird for us watching from the East Coast to the West Coast. But like, it's the thing they have to do to be able to like keep it going. I think it's a smart decision. Sure. Um, and Judge said, "You know, no, I don't like it because you play all season for you know you play hard to get home field." And so, like, you want the home field. And now you've talked about the, you know, sleeping in your own bed, saying hi to your own security guard, 
uh, which I think are big. But he was talking about it like as if there were going to be fans back or, you know, as if we would have home field in anything at this point. Because right now it looks like we're bad in first. Yeah, I think that's contributing to their to their kind of lack of urgency. It's like, okay, we're going to be in Anaheim or whatever, regardless. We'll play who we play. Does it really matter if, if we hit in the top of the inning or the bottom of the inning? And, and that's got to – I have to think that that contributes to this eh, mentality that they have this year. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Cole gets booed last night. And oh, he did it. And, like, I mean, if you see the, the post game, like – Cole, I don't worry about because he owns it. Like, he was up there. He looked like he wanted to cry talking about how bad he yes. pitched. But, like, some of these guys just need to get booed. And maybe some oh guys need God, to cheer. Yeah. But, like, some of them just need to get booed. Put in their Yeah, a little, little dose of reality. And a, a lot of people are freaking out about Cole. He's let up 12 home runs. He's got a 390 RA. I think people were kind of expecting Houston Garrett Cole, you know, eight shutout innings every time. I'm not too worried about him. How, how are you feeling about Cole overall? I'm not worried at all because, like, yeah, I want to win this year, but I don't get lost. It, it's from a rational standpoint, I can't get lost in the 60-game weirdo season when we're talking about a guy who has a billion years left on his contract and is one of, if not the best pitcher in baseball. So, like, it's going to even out. You know, someone today was talking about, you know, all the home runs that he's given up so far. And he's given up eight home runs so far. No, what is it, 12? 12, yeah. 12. So he's given up 12 home runs so far. He'd be on pace for in a regular season to give up 50 home runs in a full season. But you got to keep in mind, you're playing under these weirdo circumstances, which even as locked in of a guy as he seems, you know, he just – he. There's a global pandemic going on. There are no fans. He just had a newborn. People are getting sick. Like, you you know, there's a lot more added to his day-to-day life and all of our day-to-day lives that I'm not going to worry too much. Also, he said the last two starts have been bad. The one before that wasn't great. But, like, you know, he battled. Um so sick of that. If it was more than that, I'd be concerned. But he's the kind of guy who, I mean, he's hitting himself with a belt over, you know, over his last start. He is going out there. He's not going to give us the lip service that a lot of times a guy who's struggling after a big contract like that would just be like, yeah, you know, I just, you know, I didn't have it. We'll figure it out. You know, he's probably breaking down everything possible. Spending a lot of time with Blake. Maybe, he, you know, any outside, you know, off-season coaches he uses, probably talking to them as well that I'm not worried about him not figuring it out. Me neither. I'm not worried at all. I was a little bit frustrated last night, and then I looked and I saw a stat that through 46 innings this year, he's got a 3-9. And through 46 innings last year, he had like a 4-2. And this is kind of what he does. Generally, April and May are his worst months, and then you saw what he did last October. By August, September, October, he's fully locked in and unlocked or whatever the hell you want to call it. So I'm not too worried about it yet. Uh, He's kind of the last thing that I'm worried about. I'm worried about the offense. I'm worried about us scoring two runs a fucking game, and I'm worried about the bullpen not being as good as it was supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, I stole this totally from Reddit. They did the research, so I didn't have to. But <laughs> Cole's the three nine one ERA through eight starts. Uh, his hit per nine innings is seven six, which is his highest since leaving 
Pittsburgh. Um, his home run per nine innings is 2-3. His FIP is 4-8-3. These are all, like, astronomical, not just for him, for anyone. But last, like, two starts ago, he had, like, a 2-7-5 ERA. Um, and then last year, he had an ERA, like you said, over five until May. Uh, he, You know, there's less runway right now, but he made some adjustments. You can't let two bad starts, you know, that inflate his numbers, you know, go you know go through the roof and really it's a lot of home runs like his left on base is still 91 percent so you know it's there he's just getting some bad breaks making some pitches that aren't great he alluded to uh, you know in his post game like i don't know he said yeah we're all kind of tipping pitches every game like maybe he's doing something that he doesn't realize i thought you know i watching the the post game press conference without his hat on part of me thinks like i don't know maybe if you trimmed your hair a little bit just yeah. a little bit. Clean it up. That would help. Let's try something here. What, whatever works. And what I've noticed with the homers, there have been a lot of – I think the G-Man Choi was two out, two strikes, uh, two out, two strike homer. And I think he had another one when he was in Tampa. I think there's been at least three or four of those 12 where he's been, you know, inches away from getting out of the inning. And all of a sudden it's a two-run homer and the game kind of game kind of blows up. Whereas, you know, when he was facing us – in the ALCS last year, we would have him on the ropes, and instead of the two-out, two-strike homer, it's a strikeout or a pop-up. So he's not that far off from that, if that makes sense. Yeah. I A thing that I've been thinking about is going, and, you know, he's had it before, going personal catcher for him next year. I think, you know, in the 60-game season, you want to just, like, you want to get Gary in there as many times because we thought, you know, he'd be better. But possibly looking at... Is there anyone out there, or is it Higgy, where it's like, get these guys together in the offseason? Like, I'm not saying go out and sign a guy for, you know, 15 mil a year, but if you just say, hey, every fifth day, Gary's going to need a day off or a half a day off, just get someone out there because now you're at least every fifth day pretty much guaranteeing yourself a win. So my question to you is, what do you think Higgy can bring to that that Gary's not bringing like in terms of a working relationship because they seem fine from what I've seen. They, I, I you know, they seem fine. Aside, you know, we, we've seen, you know, the the Cole went from being ground ball pitcher to working up in the zone the last mm-hmm. couple of years, and you know, Yankee Stadium that's not always great. You know, part of I think with the home run thing is who you have to factor in the same way we hit a lot of home runs. You're going to give up home runs. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that it's. Like, he's something so much better than Gary. And I'm not even saying it's necessarily Higgy. It could be something else. Like, I don't know if Maldonado signed a two-year Yeah, year. I was going to say that was his guy you know, in Houston. But let Gary worry about four guys and his offense instead of the guy who's mm-hmm. going to need – who's going to take the most of your time, the most of your attention, because he brings the most. You know, it's not like – and so then for a guy like, a, you know, a Higgy or whoever it is – let them spend the time really locking in on this one guy, get in that rhythm of that one day a week you're definitely playing, and then who knows, maybe they can bring, they can get better to bring something over to when you're starting, you know, maybe game one and game four. I'm not talking playoffs, but like in the rotation, you're one, and then you get like every other four, you can do something for Montgomery. You know, you're just kind of better prepared for those opportunities um, and setting maybe setting the stage by having a schedule of regular work to I, I mean, we need a backup plan to catcher. 
like we we have to start getting really serious about you yeah. know what is our everything's on the here. table yeah. everything's got to be on the table at this point and if you tell Higgy look your only job is to get along with Cole and call a good game don't even do you don't even have to pick up a bat like this this is your job where do you, you live in the off season Greenwich you know. <laughs> Or get an apartment in Stanford. Like, we can go that Could far. you imagine him getting, like, a small apartment and, you know, Cole's got this mansion? Yeah. It's like, where do you want to come over today? And Cole be like, why don't we do this at my house? Yeah, but but that's, I mean, I, you know, if you're a guy like Higgy, and I'm sure he's got some off-season, you know, whatever routine he goes through, but if you get told, like, yo, this is your job, go out there and, like, get it, I, I'd just go wherever... You know, like wherever Cole wants me to be, I'll be around I'm him around. as much as he'd allow me because, you know, he's shown that he's a great baseball mind, too. And, you know, maybe it. I don't know. I mean, you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. That's what has gotten in my head is like, is it, you know, is it too much for Gary? So maybe we and is it find taking away from Gary's bat. That's what I'm saying. That's the real thing. You know, and maybe it, maybe it brings up the catch cold. Yeah. You know, maybe it brings up someone else's bat because they're just up viewing the way pitchers approach the game differently, focusing on just one guy who's the best to do it. Yeah, you're right. I think everything. I think everything's got to be on the table. I do think Cole's going to figure it out. And then, yeah, the other big news is it looks like Steve Cohen's going to buy the Mets. I don't. To be honest, I don't really care. I didn't grow up in New York. I don't hate the Mets that much. Like I don't like them, but they're not. I don't think about them, so they're not in our league. They're in the NL East. You know, I kind of got nothing there, but I'm sure you have more thoughts on that as a New Yorker. It's much easier knowing that I do not and probably will never again live in New York City. It's much tougher as a Yankee fan because, like, forever, like, you just, like, the Mets are dog shit. Like, the Mets are a dog shit organization. They have been for a very long time. And, like, maybe it is just the World Ponds, but also, I don't know, I think the orange and blue are fucking gross. So Bad color would, scheme. Yeah. You would hear it. Like, I, I think the Knicks uniforms are gross. Like, it just doesn't do it for me. But these, like, when they, when they make the World Series in 2016? 15. 15. Everyone. Like, all of a sudden, it went from, like, one day... No one's wearing any Mets stuff. To the next day, like, every lady on the subway has Mets earrings. Like, it, it's just so, like, where the fuck have you people been? And, yeah, being in New York, like, it's going to get tough for Yankee fans. Because even when, like, because what it is, the Mets are still little brother. I don't care how much money he brings to the table. You still have to get the right guys in the place to make the decision. You can give anyone a checkbook and they can fuck it up. Like, people have done it a billion times before. I mean... There, Brody has done a, an awful job there for Sorry. them, and you end up with another Brody, you're in two, three years of fucked up shit. Um, but, I don't know, I mean, I think it's, I like to see teams get better and just, like, make it more competitive, because then hopefully that lights a fire. I think, like, as the Yankees, we were, in, we we're very cocky about, like, Every free agent wants to come play here, you know, because Bryce talked about it for a long time. Manny talked about it. Cole talked about it. And then, you know, you get one of those three. Uh, but having, you know, a little competition out there for these free agents and for, for trades, I think brings, like, the best out of it. You know, I'm an old wrestling guy. Like, WWF was best when there was WCW, when they had something to compete for. And so in the own marketplace – 
Like, yeah, you're going to, and but you might run into a season where the Mets get to or win a World Series, and you're going to hear that shit, and it's going to suck, but it's like what you deserve for not winning the World Series. You don't want someone to hit a grand slam on 3-0, throw ball four. No, you're right, and maybe it does light a little bit of a fire under us. You know, we'll see. I did notice, though, in, in 2015, it, it feels like there's a faction of New York baseball fans that kind of like the Yankees, that kind of like the Mets, and they'll just support either one. I mean, you would know that better than me. So in 2015, once we're eliminated, like you said, all of a sudden you see everybody wearing Mets stuff. Like, that's not hard to believe at all. Yeah, I mean, and you're going to hear shit from, and I think, you know, it's also tough because you've got to remove yourself from, like, the echo chamber that is Twitter. And especially, like, New York baseball Twitter where it's oh like, my God. you know, KFC is going to be like, we've got Uncle Steve coming in and he's going to do it. And people are like, oh, that's so pathetic. Then he'll quote tweet it and fucking roast a guy and then we all look bad. But it's like, yes. what are you doing even fucking responding? You know, the deal had, the guy hasn't even bought the team yet. But, yeah, if he does, you know, he's got, I think it's like $4 billion so, well, uh, he's a wild dude. If you learn, like, they show some, like, ugly art shit that he's bought for a ton of money. One day, he, one time, he paid Guy Fieri to take him on a diner's drive-ins and dives, like, special, like, trip through Connecticut. Wow, that's got to be expensive. Well, he's based on Bobby Axelrod from what I, from yeah. Billions. Yeah, that's what, what I read. It is. Yeah. So, yeah, he's got money, but I, I also I also think, like, it's not like he's going to show up and they're going to sign Real Muto, and then they're going to sign Lindor. Like, they'll probably sign a big splash, but once this guy get, gets in there and looks at the books, like, there's a reason that rich owners don't spend more than $200 million. Like, people are like, we're going to have a $500 million payroll. Like, you know, you might sign a guy or two, but I don't think they're going to be leading the league in payroll, you know, his first year. And you've got to get the you've got to get the people in the places to make the right decisions because when you have the money to spend, you can spend it poorly, and then you end up with two six something outfielders who never play, and one of them makes three kajillion dollars. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. I want to get to the questions because we have a lot today. Um, so we'll jump into these. Uh, Kyle Radley, who's always chiming in, 27 games in 27 days in September. We're 19 and 14. Predictions for final record and where they'll end up. I'll say 35 and 25 in the four seed. 35 and 25. That would mean that we're going to only lose 11 games the rest of the year. Fuck. I mean, that would be good with the way this team's playing. Yeah, they're like it's kind of cl- a little too close to 500 for my liking, but I, you know, I like to. Think I thought we were going to lose win. 10 games. I thought, I <laughs> like, I thought maybe, like, if you told me we lost 14 games, especially after like the first week of the season, like if we didn't have that hot start, we are cooked right now. Yeah, and, we're I mean, 16 and six. Right now, we're four and a half games out. Like, if we win these two games, and yeah, we're only two and a half out, we lose both or we split. We're four and a half, six and a half games out. Like, the division's gone. We're on the road. We are the visiting team. We won't have the tiebreaker either against the Rays. Remember, they've already won. So we'd have to have a game better than them. So the division's not happening, which sucks. I would say second place and the four seed. And and I guess with the bubble, it doesn't matter as much. But it's still frustrating. And then we got Zach Wood. Do you take Gardner's club option for the sake of outfield protection? And then he talks about all the games the other guys missed. I still say no. I can't watch him hit anymore. No, I mean, I'd rather... Um, I would rather have 
a younger guy out there because the odds of Gardner finding the 2017, 2018, 2019 Magic at 38 years old are, <laughs> you know, you're a better shot of finding something mediocre from, you know, playing a guy like Florio every day or playing Clint Frazier every day. Because you've got Hicks, like we're not, like let's say for next season we, you know, we don't trade Judge. Because I don't, I think the Yankees are going to, you know, try to make it work, and I think he'll have to put up some numbers before it's even out there. And you, I think with Judge, it's got to be one of those things where it just happens. It's kind of got to be a, like out of nowhere, it just happens. It can't be lingering for like weeks. It'll get ugly. So you just you have an outfield of Clint, Hicks, and Judge. With Stanton maybe getting some time, you know, and I would just go Judge and Stanton back and forth, DH and right field. Yeah, no, I'm cool with that. Maybe Florial becomes a factor. Yeah, and then, yeah, I think that's your depth is a guy like Florial. Um, I think he's got, you know, I don't know how fast he definitely runs, but, you know, he, I think he's got some speed, so that kind yeah. of fills that young speed outfield off the bench that, especially as you get into, now I'm talking a year from now, as you get into September, those are the guys that you look to have. Like, you need one of those guys headed into the playoffs who you can put on and you know he's taking second base. Yeah, we're going to need one of those. Talkman will obviously be a, a deaf piece next year, you would think, as well. Uh, James Campbell says, how many more games can we lose to the Rays until Nick has a meltdown, or are we past that point? Meltdown was Friday afternoon. Uh, once Chad Green blew the first game, you know, they were dominating. I think they were up 4 nothing, and we ended up losing 6-4, and I kind of just kind of just got really frustrated. I was watching on my deck, slammed the door, just kind of paced around here. I'm not a yeller, not a screamer, a thrower of things, but I was just kind of just clenching up and, and just, just really... And then you get pouty. Yeah. You, you get pouty. <laughs> I do. I think I, that, you know what, if you look at your text from me, I think I texted you during the meltdown. I, you know what, I can find it since he asked about this. Where was this? Okay, Friday at 8, oh, here we go. Friday at 6.49, dude, we're a fucking joke, and you said we suck so bad. So that's exactly when it was to yeah. answer the question. <laughs> there you go, James. And then uh, Jay Mess says, do the Rays deserve our pinstripes until we can actually compete? And they're fucking embarrassing us, so I guess yeah, so. I mean, they're just – it's not even just like a best punch thing anymore. Like, they're just a good baseball team. I mean, and who knows? Like, half of them won't be on the team next year. But, <laughs> but the new guys will come in and hustle. Yeah. Because they have the best farm system in baseball. And they, they like, it's not just like, oh, right now they're ranked number one. Like, they consistently have a top farm system because they know they're not going to sign anyone to an extension. They did Evan Longoria that one time. Besides that, everyone else, they just get you up, get you for, you know, four years, five years, trade you away. And then they try to find, like, a Charlie Morton on the scrap heap that nobody wants, bring him in, and now all of a sudden you've got a good team. And they cash in, too, like how they got Meadows and Glass now for a washed-up archer. Like, the guys that they trade, they win the trade. So, yeah, they, they deserve the stripes. It's um, everything. Mike's, they do everything that we try to suck Cashman's dick for. Because, like, yes. Talkman will go three for four, and we'll be like, oh, my God, Brian Cashman's the fucking best ever at this. But it's like, I don't know, they're getting, like, multiple all-star seasons out of guys in trades. They got the depth, they got the prospects, and they, they do have the number one prospect in the entire sport. It's uh, Wander Franco, I think his name is. So, yeah, they're going to be an issue for a while. Mike says, are fans overreacting? Our last 24 games are against 
Baltimore, Toronto, Boston, and Miami. We should be fine record-wise. No, because I want to win now. Like, I want to see our players now. I don't think we're overreacting, man. We had high expectations. What do we have, like, 10 games against Toronto to, like, finish the season? It's like... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're one game behind us. <laughs> like, these like, aren't... Yeah, these aren't walkover... You know, the Marlins battle, too. I'm not penciling any of these in. I, I mean, I guess Boston's kind of an automatic win, but... Yeah, but, like, you never know, because that's one where, like, that could be a best punch game. They're going to hit us with their best punch because these are there are guys that are playing to get traded or earn some playing time or whatever it is, so you're still going to see some excitement out of them. And, like, I don't the Marlins are a playoff team right now. Dude, the Marlins are a playoff team. The Blue Jays are a team that we talked about before this season being young, dumb, and having nothing to lose. Like, could they They're a playoff the seed right now. They're the eight seed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. I- I'm not penciling any of these in as guaranteed wins. Uh, Carlos Hernandez, Yankees can't win against winning teams. Any concerns with the playoffs coming up in three, four weeks? Yeah, I mean, we can't really beat aces. Like, Glasnow is shoved against us every time. Snell cooked against us. Like, I'm concerned about our ability to handle elite starting pitching. Yeah, I mean, it, it had kind of been our M.O. for a while that, like, if you give us an elite starter, we're going to knock the shit out of him. You give us a guy we've never seen before, they're going to throw a no-hitter. And now we're just kind of, it's just happening on both sides. Like, offensively, we're just, we're not there, or it's very late in the game where we're getting to, like, a really diminished bullpen like the Mets. It's, yeah, it's the perfect storm of everybody's not quite right. Guys injured, guys underperforming, bad breaks. Like, it's the worst combination if you were to put into a machine, like, what can go wrong for a baseball team. I think everything is hitting on that right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone's injured. We can't hit. Our ace, you know, has had two bad starts in a row. Tanaka hasn't looked, you know, amazing. And so he's always just out there battling. I mean, keep in mind, we're hoping to get something great out of him after, you know, pulling himself you know, after 66 pitches. So, ah, dude, the tank was emptying, JJ. Don't forget that. I, I did. I forgot that for a second. <laughs> Fucking joke. Uh, Greg Hill says, are you disappointed the Yanks didn't make any deals at the deadline? Or are you okay that they stood pat and held on? I, I'm not okay that we stood pat. I wanted Clevenger. We talked about it. And I think we've already kind of covered that ad nauseum. Yeah. And then uh, Nicolay says, how is this all going to end? Hopefully with a parade, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think there'll be a parade because uh, I don't think de Blasio is going to allow that. But, um, yeah, I mean, the hope is, like, at this point, there is no, you know, the first week of the season it was like, we're going to fucking run away with this thing. We're clearly not. Like, who knows? I mean, let's say we win these next two and all of a sudden we're back in it and then we can chip away and get a game over the race. But there's, you know, I, I haven't given up on first place. It's just when you look at the odds, it's it's pretty low. And now, like, all we really have, like, the most solid thing that we can hold on to is, I don't know, everyone can tell it for October. Like, that's all we've got. And if we do, though, yes, we could take off and win this fucking weirdo tournament, and you can leave, you know, leave the pinstripes at home for that first round because... We've got to go in there and, and battle our asses off. Or you know, unless we get the four seed, but right now I don't think I think we're the five seed. I forgot how big of a deal that is with the first round because I guess that would kind of suck to be hitting in the top of the top of the inning every inning for three games. Three that's games, not easy. Three games in Dodger Stadium. Where we're batting first. 
That's the other problem. Look at the bubble that we'd be in. It's oh, it's what the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Angels. Those are all pitchers. Parks. I think it's just no- Dodgers and Padres because I think what they're trying to do is so no team can have home field. The you use NL teams uh, and AL teams. Well, those are two of the biggest pitchers' parks. Yeah. In the league, like none of this, and on the West Coast, like West Coast big ballparks, zero for two. Yeah. <laughs> it's not great. I mean, the way Cole's pitching, and if we have to rely on Hap. Like, uh, he did he did ball out Saturday. There's this one guy Pat that's constantly trolling me about Jay Happ. Every yeah. he's always he's like, he's he a tried to get me to get a t-shirt jersey. He was like, yeah, get a Happ t-shirt jersey. It's important. They don't make those. <laughs> like, no. Like, what a shitty investment. They light fifteen bucks on fire. <laughs> Bro, those are forty bucks at the places outside the stadium. Fifteen just, bucks for a jersey? Maybe in nineteen ninety eight. I don't know, I just I don't, maybe like Models is just like fucking anyone take these? Like they gotta be on pre clearance at this point. <laughs> yeah, no. Any shot we win tonight? Yeah, I mean you gotta believe. Yeah. You gotta I'm sorry. Believe. I'm sorry we've been so pessimistic guys, but it's been it's been tough. you know what I think it's good for people to hear a uh you know, hear a good vent because I think this is what people are feeling. Yeah, and I could, you know, and there are other podcasts out there that it's it's always spin zone positive, and they're excited to see the next guys come up. And I think we just kind of say what exactly what we're feeling, and and yeah, that, that's kind of what it well, is. I'll so. tell you right now, DJ yeah. LeMay, tonight's lineup: Lemayhew, Voit, Hicks, Frazier, Urshela. Gary's DHing in two spots later, but like that's the rest of it, like I don't need a Talkman, Higgy, Wade lineup. <laughs> I just don't Tough. need that. Yeah, you know? no, it's brutal seeing those guys. I like it with Clint hitting fourth. Is that I kind of like that? Yeah, given what we have. Yeah, I mean, just let him just go out there and ball at this point. You know what else are you going to do? And you know now that this trade deadline has like come and gone, he can just like you know be himself because his name. You know he was asked about. It, and he's like, yeah, I mean, for five years my name's been at the trade deadline every year. And he's earned he's the play. He's got to be exhausted time. of it. He's got to be exhausted of it. He's handling it. Stuff. He's handling it much better than I think he has in the past. He's a new guy. He he literally reminds me of a kid that like came back from his first semester of college and is like totally different. Like when I see him talking and even his defense, everything about him, it seems like he had some sort of awakening over the off season or something. Yeah, I don't know. Um... Yeah, I, I don't know if, like, I don't know, he talked to someone, went to therapy, just matured. I have no idea what it is, but it's not, you know, it, it's not the, I'm wearing a fanny pack across my chest, maybe I'll cut my hair, maybe I won't. And part of that I don't even think was his fault. Like, the media was like, oh, you're going to cut your hair, you're going to cut your hair, you're going to cut your hair. And the guy's like, I don't even know, like, where I am right now. And they, <laughs> you know, and all he said was like, I don't know, I'll figure it out. Like, he was thinking about baseball. And then he got defensive because he's a young guy. He's been a millionaire since he's 18 years old. Now yeah, he's we traded down. for him. He was 20. I mean, yeah, if that 19, 20, yeah, he's a kid. I, mean, I guess he's just matured like all of us. You know, from from 19 to or 20 to 24, 25, you, you do change a lot during that time. So, yeah. Got anything else? No. I mean, I just want to win some games. I want to come back happy next week. I feel like That'd we go nice. we go on waves. Of like happy and sad. I hope next week's a happy week. Yeah, we don't keep it like level-headed. Like we're, we're going to the fucking chip, or every the sky's falling. There's no yeah, in between. That's it. It's never just like, oh, we had a good week. We went, we went five and two this week. So we went six and one. Suck my dick. Everyone suck my dick. <laughs>
<laughs> World beaters. Yeah. Ah, well, yeah, that's all we got. You can follow Nick on Twitter. At NKirbyNYY. He's a good follow. He's gotten much better this season. Credit to you, Nick. You've become a much Thanks, better man. tweeter. You just never, it's not that you were a bad tweeter. You just didn't tweet a lot because you get so wrapped up in the game. Yes, no, now I just, whatever random bullshit comes into my mind that I'm angry about or want, I'll just tweet it. Yeah, and it works. People like that. Uh, you can follow me at JJ from the Bronx. You can follow the show at George's Box Pod. On a personal na- note, just a reminder, if you adopt a dog or cat, I will give you $100. All you have to do is go to a shelter or rescue and go to SusanPupman.com and just submit the information. And as long as it's verified, I'll send you 100 bucks to help offset that cost trying to help clear the shelters. Um, but yeah, like Nick said, you know, we hope this whole thing ends in the Canyon of Heroes and COVID's clear and we'll see you at the parade. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold that our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing in the fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.